Hey Chit Chatters, welcome to another episode of Life and Business Coaching for Millennials. Today's episode, we have an amazing guest who I actually came across by doing some searches for people who do um, training in leadership and are leaders in inclusivity. And I came across this individual um, through a podcast swap platform called, they think, Podcast, podcast Guests. If I'm mistaken, so I was super excited to come across this page. I'm excited to welcome Dr. Steve Iacovelli, who's also known as the Gay Leadership Dude. And today we're talking about two of my very favorite topics. One is inclusivity and the other is leadership. And we're actually combining those two together. So in this episode, we're really coming together and bringing the ideas of what it is to be an inclusive leader, um, but at the same time, focusing on the idea of how does someone become the best version of a leader while practicing six specific competencies that Steve has actually identified from his book. So Steve is the owner and principal of Top Dog Learning Group. Um, it's a leadership change management and diversity and inclusion consulting firm, which is based out of Orlando, Florida. And um, Steve and Top Dog provide guidance and solutions in leadership and organizational development change management, diversity and inclusion consulting, instructional design, and key custom e-learning creations. So I'm really excited to have Steve share all his wisdom. We're going to talk about also his amazing book, which is called Pride Leadership, Strategies for LGBTQ Plus Professionals to be the big, to be the king or queen of their jungle. I'm excited for him to dive in and excited for him to share all his wisdom. Let's jump into this episode. Are you a millennial who's struggling to find more purpose? Do you feel confused when you think about what you're created to do here? Do you waste time on job search engines searching for a better fit? Do you often feel unfulfilled with what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, you don't have to feel that way anymore. Welcome to the Life and Business Coaching for Millennials, a safe space where people from all walks of life can come together to learn, grow, and transform. My name is Jose Miguel Longo, and I'm your host. Life and Business Coaching for Millennials is a place where diversity is celebrated and encouraged, where we can have open, honest conversations about uncovering your purpose in business, feeling more joy in your life, and ultimately finding more happiness and success. I look forward to having meaningful conversations and coaching sessions that will help you explore life, career options, be inspired, fueled, and fulfilled with laughter. It's time to chit-chat with Jose Miguel. Let's dive in. All right. So welcome to another episode of Life and Business Coaching for Millennials. Today, we have a guest on the show who I'm really excited to um, connect you all with because I happen to come across and find him. And yes, I said him because most of our guests have been women on the show, but this one is a special one because we're here to talk about leadership and the LGBTQ community. So Steve Iacovelli, welcome to the, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. So, so many things to dive into. I don't even know where to start, to be quite honest. <laughs> but can you really start by sharing a little bit about yourself and then tell me and tell our listeners what the gay leadership dude is and does? 
Sure. So Dr. Steve Iacovelli, pronouns are he, him, and his. Um, I am owner and principal of Top Dog Learning Group. Uh, we are a leadership change management and diversity and inclusion consulting firm uh, based here in Orlando, Florida, but we have um, top doggers is what I call my consultants, uh, both throughout North America as well as beyond. And we focus on things on um, really in those three specific areas, looking at leadership, change management, and diversity and inclusion. A lot of times it's the intersection of all three. And, um, you know, we do things like, uh, face-to-face training classes when we can do those, uh, webinars, virtual keynotes, uh, consulting, group coaching, all that kind of fun uh, development. And we t- typically work with Fortune 500s, large not-for-profit organizations, as well as some entrepreneurs who kind of kind of come through the door. Um, and it kind of started, I've always been in the leadership space pretty much my whole career. And uh, you know, spent time working at Disney for several years. I was an IBM consultant for a couple of years doing change management. Um, as we shared before the show started, I was a professor for like a hot second. Uh, but I've always been in kind of the leadership space uh, and kind of those other areas. And in 2008, I actually started Top Dog as like a full-time venture. It was part-time, kind of like my friend of mine, uh, my the co-founder of Top Dog, Ruth. Her and I would like meet once a week, drink some wine and be like, yay, we're going to conquer the training world. Woo-hoo. And we didn't do a whole lot with it. We had a couple of clients here and there, but it was, it was fun. But then in 2008, I actually found myself out of a job. And um I live in Florida. Florida is a right to work state. Actually, to this day, I still have no idea why I was fired, but that's okay because the universe, Buddha, God, Allah, whoever you look to. Venus um, and Mars align themselves. Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, like like things happen. And so I was trying to figure out, you know, do I get a full-time job or not? And I decided, look, I have the infrastructure for a business. It's 2008. What a perfect time to start a business. For those who are listening, you may not remember the big recession that was happening then. But anyway, I said, to heck with it. Let's see what happens. And, you know, knock on wood, Top Dog's been my full-time gig pretty much ever since. That's so amazing. I love everything you just said. I think that that goes off of to another conversation I just had with a good friend of mine, um, Lindsay Pollack, and you know how systemically every single recession we've had, so many people who have either lost their jobs or who have found themselves in situations where they have to pivot, or in her new book, as she calls it, recalculating, yep, um, like it. You, you start to look at what you can do with yourself. I mean, yeah. so many people today in 2020 living through the COVID pandemic and the recession we're experiencing economically are looking for ways to pivot themselves. So I love yep. that story. Yep. Yep. And so to, to final finish up answering your question. So the gay leadership dude, um, he was quote unquote came out, if you will, um, last uh, summer um, in conjunction with my book, Pride Leadership. So Backtrack about uh, nine months from that point. I was at a conference, um, actually at the uh, National Gay Lesbian Chamber of Commerce conference, my first time there. And um, I was kind of sorting business cards, uh, going into a session. This woman's doing the same thing next to me. And and we struck up a conversation. She's like, what do you do? And I kind of gave the spiel that I just kind of shared with you and your listeners. I said, how about you? She's like, I'm a publisher. I'm like, you know what? There's a leadership book in my head. She's like, well, let's get that book out. And so Jen and I started working together and she became my publisher, Publisher Purpose Press. And uh, so that's kind of how my, my leadership book came about. It is basically, um, you know, what, when you work with leaders, you see trends, the ones who are like rocking and rolling and what they're doing, right? And you see ones that are crashing and burning. And so I started like kind of looking at that and observing it. And then um, I was going to write kind of a generic leadership book. And, and then um, I also do a lot of uh, social justice work with the uh, queer community as well as beyond. And I'm kind of now observing my fellow uh, LGBTQ plus leaders 
And then if you remember Sex in the City, for those who remember, you Carrie was always at her computer going, I couldn't help but wonder. And so I couldn't help but wonder, is there something about being a queer leader that gives you an opportunity to exercise certain leadership competencies, maybe just differently than our, our straight brothers and sisters? And so that's kind of how the book shifted to be more focused through the, the rainbow lens, if you will. And, uh, and that's kind of how Pride Leadership came about. And I knew if I had this book, I have an opportunity to take the Top Dog brand and turn it into to a very focused brand. So that's kind of how the Gay Leadership Dude came about. That's my personal brand that kind of sits under uh, the top dog umbrella, if you will. Yeah, and you're part of that identity too. So I think it speaks to the, the shift that you took with Top Dog, but also being inclusive to representing what that brand is, yeah. as well as, hey, here's an amazing opportunity for people to learn from you. Yep. So we'll get back to the book in a second, but I want to focus... <laughs> We have so many things to talk about, but I want to focus on what are your thoughts on how individuals who are in the workplace today, so the workplace is shifting, right? We know mm. that baby more and more baby boomers are retiring and the generation that's in the workplace now that's current and really changing it are millennials and Gen Zs. Yep. What advice do you have for them and how to make the workplace more inclusive and what steps should they take? It's, it's a great question. And, and as a Gen Xer, so I'm kind of just up above, um, but one of the things that, that I really focus on in a lot of, it's actually in, in my book, but it's, it's a lot of my signature talks and things, is when you think about smart leaders, they're always trying to foster a culture of inclusivity and belonging. And when I, what I mean by that is, um, first of all, a leader is anybody who has influence in the workplace. So that's y'all listening, really. Um, it, it's, it's meant to be everybody. I know I work with some organizations that are like, a leader is someone who manages people. Yeah, but um, you can be an individual contributor and still be a leader. Of course you can. So just get that straight, if you will, so to speak, uh, that, uh, you know, a leader is everybody listening right now. So smart leaders are thinking, how can I build this, this culture of inclusivity and belonging for all the people around me? And, and what does that look like? And I like to phrase it, it's, it's really three different ways. You think in, you speak up, and you act out. So what does Steve mean by that? So thinking is, is you think about yourself first, leader, and you, you start to think about what are potentially the unconscious biases that could get in your way from being consciously inclusive? And um, so there's lots of cool ways you can do that. If you Google Project Implicit, um, you'll be able to kind of find some online assessments, but you start to really think about yourself first. So that's kind of step one. Then step two is you think you, you do the speak up, which is, you know, what am I doing to the, my immediate circle of influence and, and fostering that inclusivity? So for example, I, I like to use the concept of silent collusion. So um, silent collusion is when you know, you're in that meeting and someone makes some stupid disparaging remark like, well, you know how all women drive and you don't say anything as a leader. At that exact moment in time, you're actually silently supporting that stupid statement that that person said. Yeah. So I, I tell leaders that one of the best ways to undermine your own credibility is to engage in silent collusion because you, you're eroding trust. And, and uh, I had another podcast interviewer ask me a, a little while ago, he's like, what's the secret to leadership? I said, do you want to know what it is? I, I know what it is. You want? He's like, yeah. I said, I could have taken my 356 page book put it into one page with one word on it. The secret to leadership, you ready? The suspense is killing you. I know, right? Uh, no, it's, it's trust. If you're a leader who builds trust, you're golden. And so a great way to build trust is to not engage in side inclusion, meaning like someone says some stupid remark, you as a leader do something 
to kind of refute that or, or call it out, if you will. Um, a great way to undermine your own trust is to not say anything because people are watching and people are observing. And so that's kind of the second way to speak up. Uh, the act out is then you kind of take that perspective broader and you say within your workplace, what are you looking at uh, and what messages are you supporting um, that are either fostering inclusivity and belonging or not? So, so for example, if you're in an organization, um, look at your website. Are the images out there supporting of being more inclusive of lots of different others out there? What about your HR forms? Do they, for example, have uh, gender as the binary versus you know something a little bit more broader and more inclusive? Um, side note, I was at the doctor the other day doing my checkup. And I, I was training or grading their forms because like you had you gender, male, female. And I put, you know, I, I identify as male, gay leadership dude, but I'm like, however, put an asterisk on, I'm like, you really need to update these forms. And when I sat down, this is the first time I'm meeting my doctor now. And, and she's just probably like, oh crap. And she's like, I love that you did that. And I'm so sorry. We actually had better forms. We just moved offices and we just found these. It's, I said, but you know, you just got $400 worth of free consulting advice, right? She's like, oh my God, I love it. But, but you all listening can do these types of things. Just put on that, that little open eyes and say, what are we doing that's supporting or maybe not supporting others around us within our workplace? So think in, speak up, act out. I love that. I'm got like two pages of notes already so far just from what you just <laughs> And I talk fast. I talk fast, sorry. It's okay, and I write fast too. So I'm really good at taking notes. That, so you hit a couple of things that are really important that kind of, even for me personally, in my professional and my personal work, I've already taken notes on what that's saying. And it kind of just says, okay, good. I'm checking the boxes. I'm following along with what he's saying. <laughs> how can, and, and it kind of goes into the second part of the first question is, how can millennials be better leaders? Because you mm -hmm. just talked about how to make it more inclusive in the workplace. But what if those people don't trust themselves or don't have the confidence yet to feel yeah. like they can speak up or act out. One of the best strategies to not just amp up your own leadership courage, and that's one of the competencies I talk about in my book, Pride Leadership. Um, there's a whole chapter on leadership courage. But one of the best ways is to think about how are you engaging, say, those those supervisors or leaders who are above you within the kind of food chain. Um, and how are you also listening to them and encouraging them to listen to you. So um, one of the things that I love, I, I pick six competencies in, in pride leadership, um, authenticity, courage, uh, empathy, communication, building relationships and shaping culture. So those are the top six that I saw in it. Yes, it does make a beautiful little rainbow that wasn't wasn't by accident, of course, but I didn't well, want to also, I love it. I, see, it's all branding, um, <laughs> but it's, it's also, I didn't want to write like a, a 30,000 page book on the 28 leadership competencies that I think are important. So I whittled it down to the top six. So, but in, in the courage conversation, it's like, you know, and it, it blends into the um, communication conversation as well. So when I'm engaging with a, with a boss, we'll just say someone above me in, in the food chain, um, when I'm actively listening and that person knows that two things are happening. One, it's showing that I'm engaging and I'm, and I'm building rapport and, and all those good words that we're connecting as humans. So now again, you throw in the relationship piece, but also two, what it's, what it's building is trust. 
because if I'm you know having a having a chat with my boss and I'm saying, well, well, that's really interesting perspective. Tell me more. You know, that's showing that I'm listening and I'm engaging. And and so these are little strategies to really foster relationships. Once you have that relationship and that trust, you have a lot more uh, ability to be more courageous and maybe go out on that quote unquote limb and maybe ask those more challenging questions or don't just be that that yes person to be like, well, you know what? I don't see it that way, but here's my perspective. And I think coupled with that is also, do you belong to a workplace that is a feedback rich culture? Um, if you do, fantastic, leverage that. I know both in my internal as well as when I'm, I'm consulting with clients, I always go to those organizational values. Typically something there is around like we want to you know, build rapport or trust or you know, relationships or something like that. And, and doing that is through effective feedback. Fantastic. So there's the values that are stated and then there's the values that are lived. And um, sometimes they're not the same. Um, but if they're the same, then awesome sauce. And you can, as a leader, go back to that and say, well, leader, boss, um, I know we're supposed to be a feedback-rich culture. I would like to play with that a little more. And so another opportunity for listeners is to really know your organizational values inside and out and use those like a shield and a sword. Um, I, I do it with clients all the time. People let you, know, especially when I teach being more inclusive. You can see when I could read the room, when I used to be in a room, I could read the room with people. You know, people were just like, you know, so voluntold to be in these training classes. And, and so you can say, hey, you know, Juanita, what's on your mind? And, and you start to have those conversations and start to peel back. You know, well, and it's usually around like when I have the conversation of uh, diversity and inclusion as it relates to leadership in my workshops. And some people just aren't on board with that. So I'll, I'll ask those questions. Well, well ask me, answer me this, Juanita, isn't being inclusive part of your organizational culture values? Well, yeah. So, so what does that look like from your world? And you start to have those conversations with her, knowing that at the end of the day, if the business says this is the value, that's the value. And if that's not where Juanita sits, we need, Juanita needs to have a conversation with herself. <laughs> and so um, now I'm not advocating that listeners maybe like have those fisticuff kind of conversations, but effective listening is a great way to start those inroads so that you can have those more challenging conversations. I love that. I think that also is a good kind of perspective on how people can then identify their own biases that they may not be so comfortable in recognizing because they lack maybe a little bit of self-awareness or either complete self-awareness, yep. but also at the same time, when you need to have these uncomfortable conversations, you have to lean in with courage. Yep. That's something that I talk about a lot with my listeners yep. and just in general, I sometimes go on little tangents, but I love everything you just said. So what is your advice for a person who is currently living through the world we're living in where a lot of things are being masked. You know, we had the Black Lives Matter movement that has been ongoing, not just in 2020, but way back in 2012 with Trayvon Martin. But I think that people don't recognize, and when I say people, there's a there's a specific group of people that there are voices and we have voices for a reason. When yeah. someone's uneasy and knows that what they're feeling is wrong, but they, they don't have the voice in themselves to speak up, what do you have? Because I think there's one piece to the workplace, but it's a whole other piece when we have a society of we're quick to pick up our phones to film things, yep. but we want to do it with intent. We want to do yep. it so that it's looked the way it's supposed to be. 
I, I think one of the best pieces of advice I've, and, and I learned this years ago, just almost the pseudo pseudo hard way, quote unquote, a hard way is be an ally of somebody. Um, and that does a couple things. One, it helps you understand that quote unquote other a little bit better. Um, and, and I learned this when I actually was at IBM, I joined the women's leadership initiative. And I remember like, I sheepishly asked my boss, I'm like, am I allowed to? And she's like, oh, hell yeah, go for it. And I love that. And so what it allowed me to do was one, show my IBM sisters and, and some brothers were in there too, as well, along with me, that I, I want to understand more about you. And then two, that just opened me up as, you know, as a white cisgendered gay dude to different perspectives. And, and then you know, that can transform anybody into a lot of different ways and levels of understanding. And so anybody who's listening out there who wants to be a better leader, be a better ally. And it can be through using the think in, speak up, act out stuff that we talked about earlier, or just going out and seeking those opportunities to be um, the champion for those others. I know I've since um, really tried to focus a lot of my energy and, and, and my privilege, and we'll use that word, um, into helping my trans brothers and sisters be more heard. And so, um, you know, even though they're part of my rainbow family, LGBTQ+, um, but, you know, by being a white cisgendered gay dude, I can bring maybe a different opportunity or focus to help amplify their needs and, and, and um, items that they uh, want as a subset of my family. And so that helps a lot. So for anybody, do what you can to be an ally to whomever. Um, and that's going to teach you just a lot about um, allyship. That's so important. I never looked at it from that perspective. Um, and I think because I've always worked harder to just represent everybody who's in the circle and saying, no, you're forgetting about them. Like we need to talk about them, mm -hmm. um, and which is the others you keep referring to. But I think that's so important. We don't see enough leaders being allies. Um, and if they are, they're not speaking to that, right? Um, so I think that that's great. So I want to shift a little bit the conversation to talk a little bit more about your book. Mm -hmm. um, I, I haven't read it yet, so I'm being honest about that, but I'm going to, and I'm excited to read it. But I want to hear more from you in regards to how can someone use this book as a tool to either bring back to their workplace or for their own personal development and recognizing how they can be a better leader. Because yeah. I know the book talks about being an LGBTQ plus leader, but I think this is an ally. This is someone who <laughs> like it's right. I know I'm gonna let you talk. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so really quick story. Um, when I was getting the first round of feedback from my editor, Heather, um, and I was nervous as anything. I mean, technically this is my third book. I mean, I did a dissertation. I wrote my e-learning book, which is what my doctorate's in, but this is like my first, like I have a publisher, I have a whole editing team, blah, blah, blah. So I'm in a coffee shop in downtown Orlando waiting for the call. I'm like nervous as anything. Heather gets on and, and she's like, okay, Steve. And I'm like, butterflies in my stomach. She's like, okay, I'm not your target audience. I'm a white cisgendered straight woman. I'm like, oh no. And she's like, and this is the book I wanted for my MBA program when we talked about leadership. I'm like, what? 
what? And so she, she said, um, she's like, it's, it's solid research. I'm like, well, I didn't invent leadership. My goodness. You know, and she's, she's like, no, you cite all these things. She's like, matter of fact, your index or your um, bibliography is insane. I'm like, yes. And she's like, but two, you have cheeky dad humor. I'm like, yes, I do. And, and so that was kind of how it worked. But she, she's like, you need to market this to allies as well. She's like, cause you know, any ally is going to get your, your weird jokes, like storytelling, like Tori Spelling, when we talk about the communication chapter, or uh, when we talk about mentoring, finding your own RuPaul, she's like, I got those. <laughs> so, so that aside, um, what I do phrase in the book and, and kind of how it came about is, is I, I frame it through um, the, the opportunity that queer people have as being a quote unquote other uh, who are uniquely able to maybe exercise these six competencies. So we'll take one for example. Authenticity is the very first one I talk about. And so what does authenticity look like if I'm a member of the LGBTQ plus community? And so if I'm a, um, a gay man and I'm out, boy, I can't be more authentic than that. Or if I'm a trans person in the workplace who's being their true authentic self, that's fantastic. And so, you know, our straight brothers and sisters maybe don't have to, you know, it's not the easy opportunity. They might have to find a different way to be their authentic selves, where I argue in the book that if you're a queer person, you, you kind of have to be, or you can choose not to be, but then you're just disenfranchising your own self from a leadership opportunity. And so that's kind of the phrasing of the book. So absolutely, allies will get it as long as you like my cheeky dad, bad dad jokes. Um, but it's meant to really help uh, anybody who wants to improve in these six competency areas really be better. And I, I wrote each chapter like a training class because that's what I do. I make training classes. So it goes through, there's a lot of reflective questions in it. Um, there's activities you can do if you say, you know what, Steve, I'm not so empathetic. Um, I give like prescriptive, sometimes five to 10 things, like go do these things to amp up your own authenticity. Uh, I actually created a workbook that goes with it um, for people to kind of help and write down and journal and reflect on some stuff. Um, so it's meant, and actually now there's an eight week online training class and there's like all different things I'm creating that go with the book. The goal is that anybody who wants to amp up their leadership in these six areas we're there to support you, whether it's reading the book, listening to the audiobook, using the workbook, going through more of a formal training program, whatever. So it's not just a book that you should read. It's a book that you're required to take action with. Yes. Because yes. it sounds like if someone's really trying to develop their leadership competencies and in focusing on those six core competencies, they need to take action while they're reading the book and defining their competencies, how they perceive themselves, how do they perceive others, peeling back those biases, being able to implement action and kind of lean into all those things. Yeah, I'm grabbing the workbook that's there. So, you know, and, and the idea is like, it's like I said, it's, it's like a self-paced training class. Um, you're not going to change your own human behavior. You know, I, I will not get fit by going to the gym once. I mean, it's an ongoing effort and, and developing yourself as a leader is the same way. I mean, if I want to be a better communicator, for example, it's not just me going to one Zoom meeting like, I'm a rock star, I'm a communicator. No, that's not how it works. You have to work at it and constantly get it there. And that's now where the change management hack comes into play from, from my experience. You, you have to work at these things. And so what I typically recommend for folks is you know, read the book, that's great, or listen to it or whatever works for you. And then find just the one, the one of the six competencies you really want to focus your energy on. Go there, get that one, get it to where um, in, in psychology, we use the term, it's, it's that unconscious competence, meaning unconsciously I can do it competently. It doesn't matter. I have to think about it. It's just part of my DNA. So get it to where it's at that spot and then start for the next one. 
And then before you know it, you're now building five competencies, six competencies that make you that just much more of an effective leader than had you just done one or just read the book. Like, well, that was interesting. Nice dad joke, Steve. Now that's not how you make change. I love that. That's so, I, I, I keep saying I love that, but I, I literally do love everything we've just kind of outlined and think that it hits home and so many different things that I didn't even recognize. But the fact that you're using competency-based learning as a way of, and obviously you have a PhD, this is what you do. But I think for people who didn't think about considering reading the book that want to kind of develop a leadership competency, mm -hmm. this is their time to do it. Um, especially yeah. when we live in this culture that we're living in right now, where there's the Me Too movement, which people kind of forgot about a little bit, but I think it's really much oh, there. It's still there. It's, it's still, still there. there. And, and in the workplace, especially. And then we also have a lot of places that still don't respect that there's our laws for LGBTQ plus yep. individuals and for the community. And if you're just someone who wants to be an ally, who wants to speak up and use your voice to speak to others as an ally, this is one way of doing that. So we've had a lot that we've uncovered <laughs> in the last 20 minutes or so. What are some really key takeaways that you would want listeners to know about you, um, the gay leadership dude, and uh, pride leadership? Yeah. So the easiest thing, if, if you're interested in the book, um, Steve on Amazon.com will reroute you to the Amazon spot. That was a little tip from my publisher. She's like, get that URL because then no one else has it. So I'm like, yay. So you, that's the easy way to remember it, Steve on Amazon.com. Um, and just you know, pay attention to others in your workplace who are trying to be more constantly inclusive and support one another. Uh, you know, the best way to foster your own change is to share that your desire to change with somebody and they can have you kind of be accountable for that, your work wife or work husband or work BFF or whoever that is. So if you want to be more consciously inclusive as a leader, which AKA makes you more successful, talk about it, find that trusted friend and help each other to kind of move toward that, that next level of, of effective leadership. Um, I, I think also too, uh, just being, um, I use the term in my book, uh, getting into your drone it's called drone perspective. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of like, uh, if you ever heard the term mindfulness, mindful meditation, it's, I talk about that as well. But drone perspective is being able to practice getting out of your own head and seeing the situation from, from a, kind of like a non-judgmental uh, observation perspective. Like, like you're in a little drone looking above at you and the other person maybe having a meeting or conversation. And, and so practice that. And if I could go back to my 20-something, Steve, and say, you know, learn quicker how to stop and listen and watch and, and hear what's being said, but also what's not being said. If I could learn that 10, 15 years earlier than I really did, that would have been like awesome sauce. Because just having that awareness um, can really catapult you far. Uh, and, you know, and they also also say that, um, what's the, the adage? Um, you know, tis better to not speak and people think you're not smart than to speak and prove them right. Uh, or something like that, you know, and so you, that list, listening ties in with all of that as well. And we talked about that earlier. I think those are probably some of the best kind of nuggets of wisdom I'd like to leave with folks. That's amazing. And I think there's a lot of nuggets there. My favorite one was would you fostering your own change to hold people accountable for leadership. That to me is huge. So I kind of want to close this out. Thank you so much, Steve, for yeah. being here with us, sharing your insight, sharing your leadership and all the blessings that come with that. This was amazing. Where's, where can people find you? I know you talked about Steve on amazon.com if they're looking for leadership 
um, Pride Leadership book, but where else can they find you if they're looking on social? Yeah, the, the main the main spot to find us or find me is uh, topdoglearning.biz, B-I-Z. You'll see the links to all of our social from there. Um, you know, the Gay Leadership Dude is now mine. I own the trademark. Ha-ha. So, hey. <laughs> yay. So, uh, you know, a lot of my um, social is is through um, through that, like, uh, you know, my... Um, and I'm not a big Twitterer. I'll be very frank with you. My publisher made me do it. Um, but, you know, gay leadership is my Twitter handle. Um, Instagram is gay leadership as well. Um, so there's there's lots of different ways to kind of get, get, excuse me, it's the gay leadership dude for Instagram. Um, but there's lots of different ways you can find me. My last name is Yacavelli. There's not that many of us in the world. Although there is another Stephen Yacavelli who's actually getting his doctorate, which I'm like, and I, and I come to know him. He's a distant relative, I found out. But so I'm like, I'm the first Dr. Steve Yacovelli, bitch. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> go check yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny. I'm like, I am Doc Yak. I own the URL now. He's like, damn it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but those are the easiest ways to find me. Super. I'll make sure I include those in the show notes for um, people to watch. Well, this was amazing. Truly a blessing. I really have to say this was so insightful. I learned so much. I'm definitely going to have you on the show again in the future yeah. when I get a chance to read the book because I think there's a lot to uncover there. Thank you for your time, and I'm looking forward to further conversations. Hey, Chit Chatter, before you go, if you love this episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. I read every single one of them. It would mean the world to me. And if you love some free coaching, go ahead, like, subscribe, and in the review, leave us a comment. Go ahead and screenshot it and then post it on over on Instagram stories and tag me at Jose Miguel Longo. Thank you so much for listening. All my love. And I can't wait for you to listen to the next episode.